Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. By the way, episode 50 is now here, my friend. We have hit number 50. We're a young show. We've hit number 50. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. And uh, number 50, Sales Velocity TV is upon us. And we're talking about how to promote like a pro today. We're going to share some awesome examples of essentially how to dominate your industry. You like the sound of that? I love the sound of it. And, you know, Here's why it's important because a lot, I think a lot of people are going to be like, promotion. Well, why do I, why, why should I do this? Why do I have to do this? Whatever. There's no have tos in life, right? But right. at the end of the day, there's, there's just winners and there's losers, right? And, <laughs> and I'm not calling somebody a loser if they don't want to do this. But if you're in the business world, you know, the scorecard is real, right? right? And, you know, I think we talk about this a lot, Andrew, with, with a lot of our, our audience is sort of those small to medium size businesses. Right. Right. And they're trying to take things to the next level. And I had a great conversation with somebody about two years ago where they said, do you know what your, your real role is as the CEO of your business? And I, and to be honest, I didn't really know because I, you know, as a, as somebody who's always bootstrapped my own businesses, you know, I'm, I've got 90 hats on, right. You and I talk about this all the time. How do I take hats off, you know, over time so that I can scale. And what he said to me is if you really want to be a great CEO, you, your job is to be the world's greatest promoter of your business and service or service, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's to headhunt amazing talent for your business. Um, and it's to create culture and community for both your team and your customer base. And that's it. It's not all the day-to-day grind stuff, you know, the day-to-day grind stuff, your goal should be to try to take as many hats off as possible. So today we're talking about one of those key elements, which is who are the great promoters that we see of their business really so that you can, you can study them, you can follow them, you can see what they do, you can emulate, you know, what they're doing to have massive success. Because I can tell you with 100% data-driven metrics, eyeballs equal sales. Visibility, baby. Visibility, right? The more people know you, the more you're going to make, right? And these people that we're going to be talking about today are amazing and probably more importantly, amazingly consistent. And equally as important, amazingly controversial, which gets an extreme amount of attention, which is a little secret we're going to release here in a little bit is what really goes behind the biggest and the best and the most noticed promotions or promotional people. It isn't what you think, and it's definitely not what is taught in school in your marketing 101 or your advertising 101 classes. There is a method and a madness for promoting like a pro. We're going to talk about it today. We're each going to share an example of somebody that we know very well because we're customers of the product, right? We're customers of the thing. And we've bought in and we really also understand, because this is how you and I are wired, 
in addition to being a fan and a customer of the thing, by default, guys like us will look into the business model and the marketing and the advertising and all of the ways that they promote because it's, it, it's the industry that we're in. Most people don't notice it. We do. So what we're going to share is these examples of how icons do it, but not, not, the, not, you know, not the Steve Jobs of the world because I think those are multi-billion dollar publicly traded examples that I think the average business owner can't relate to. You can look at what they do. You'll, you'll see some lessons in, in the bigger names that we'll mention. But what we did is we chose two individuals that we know well from being customers and fans of the product and also using the products, right, that you can relate to as a business owner because you want to figure out how to be the biggest, baddest, best promoter of your product and service. And you as the individual, the face of it, by the way, the personality of it, otherwise, it is a battle to get noticed today. You won't get the eyeballs. And it will be tough to make sales. And this show is all about how do you make more sales? Well, guess what? It starts with visibility. And it starts with what you and I call being omnipresent in multiple forms of media. And that's what we're going to dig into today. Absolutely. So we've got a big list at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that of some of our favorites that you can follow. Because everything is about – there's patterns to everything, mm -hmm. right? If, 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 if it's working for a handful of other people, it's going to work for you. Right. Right. And but we're not going to reveal those to the end of the show. So there's your little cliffhanger, Andrew, to <laughs> ensure people. There's your suspense. So we'll, yeah, to the whole we'll give like today. the big list of some of the bigger players that, you know, some are medium sized, some are really huge and some are like the, the, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world where they're just so big that it might be too big of a leap for you. But the examples that we're going to share right now are pretty impressive from how they've attacked their industry and then ultimately made their industries better. So yep. you have Agreed. one, I have one. Interestingly, they're both in the, I guess we could say fitness and sports industry. Yours is sports mm -hmm. minus fitness. So that's interesting. These are also passions of ours. So naturally we're going to watch these promoters a little closer. So why don't you go first with your guy and then I'll go next. Yeah. My guy is bigger than your guy for yeah, now, sure, for but sure. I have to preface it with, the hows and whys, right? So one of the best promoters would, in my mind, um, in the world is, is a guy by the name of Dana White. Dana White is the president of the UFC, which stands for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And a lot of people are going to say, well, I know the UFC. Like, that's not a business that's, you know, aligned with me because, you know, they're so big and blah, 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 blah. But what you have to understand is that the UFC launched 25 years ago. Andrew, can you- that, that long? That long. Wow, it feels right? like it's like a 10-year-old enterprise. It I know. It doesn't feel that and most 25 Most years. people are like, Didn't get really? the traction until probably the last 10 years, right? Well, what's really crazy about the UFC is that it was started by a guy in Florida, not by the current owners, right? He came up with the idea, and then he sold it to um, the Fertitta brothers and uh, Dana White about four years in. And the problem is, is that when the UFC actually launched, mixed martial arts was illegal in I think everything but eight states. Is that right? Yeah. So and and they weren't the big market states. You know, the only markets they, they could really do it when we were like Vegas and like Alabama and these like really smaller marketplaces and nobody would put them on TV and they had to do pay-per-view everything. And it, in, in, in honesty, it was a disaster, right? And so the Fertitas who own uh, a huge amount of the casinos in Las Vegas were the bankroll. And they said, we need a face for this thing that we're going to bring in that that's going to have the elements that you need to be a great promoter. So they actually brought in 
Dana White. Now, the crazy thing about Dana White, I'm just going to share this because it's my show and I feel like talking about it, is you may not know this, Andrew, but Dana White had a boxing gym in Boston. He's a Boston guy like you. Didn't know. Right? And he actually was run out of Boston by the mob. So if you've ever seen the movie about Whitey Bulger, yeah, you know yeah. Whitey Bulger is? That was the one with uh, Matt. Johnny Depp. Was, it, who, was Johnny Depp or Matt, who was John, Matt Damon? Was Johnny the... Depp played Whitey Bulger. So Whitey Bulger was the head of the Irish mob in Boston. And they walked into Dana White's boxing gym, which was making no money, like at all, like most boxing gyms do. And he basically said, uh, it's time to pay your protection racket money. We're going to need two grand a month from you starting now. And Dana White was like, we don't have any money. What are you talking about? And we don't need protection, you know, from anybody. We're a boxing gym. And he said, well, too bad. I'm going to show up tomorrow <laughs> and you're either going to have my protection money or there's going to be a problem. <laughs> and, uh, and they, you know, Dana White being Dana White, who's very um, abrupt, told him, told him where to stick that. Did, and, he, did he know uh, it was the did he know it was the mafia? Did he know their presence or was it just like he thought he, they were he some did. tough guys? He, he uh, to a degree, uh, uh, you know, based on what I've read. He was just he being did. a typical boxer and thinking nobody can get to me. Right. Exactly. So the next day they came back with some sticks and some other stuff and they beat him within an inch of his life. They actually gave him tinnitus um, in one of his ears, which has never gone away, which is why in a lot of his conferences he can't hear out of the one really? side. Yeah, they 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 beat him you know, as he says, within an inch of his life. And he got on a plane the next day and flew to Las Vegas. So, you know, he ran. He's like, I can't, I can't stay or I'm going to get killed in Boston. So went to Las Vegas, kind of bummed around on a few people's couches. Um, Mark Wahlberg, um, Floyd Mayweather, a um, few different people till, till this opportunity was given to him. And uh, basically what what they needed was somebody that could speak the language of the fight fan. And the fight fan is a fairly, you know, unique character, right? He needed to know the language. He needed to be controversial. He needed to draw attention. He needed to put butts in seats. He needed to collect eyeballs. And he has been one of the most consistent promoters of not only the UFC, but, you know, the fight industry in general, boxing and, and all of its competitors and, and, and talking about the other competitors in his space literally for 25 years. If you mm -hmm. follow his social media, he has a massive following. And what's really great, and this is part of the equation that we want to talk about, is that he is very authentic in his opinion, which is often very controversial. And often very important to stay relevant. Believe exactly. It, it's it's relevant, it's entertaining, it's disruptive. Yep. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, the Fertitta brothers, who were very, very wealthy, said, you just be you. We're not worried about what you say. We're not worried about what, who you offend, you know, what feathers you ruffle, right? But we need enough attention to build this brand up big enough where governments will start to pay attention to us so we can go and we can lobby and we can talk to them. And they did and, and ultimately had to change a ton of rules. Like when it first started, there was no rules, basically. I mean, the only I rules remember, were- uh, God, it was brutal when it began. There was no eye fighting. gouging. The only rules were no eye gouging, um, no fish hooking. That wasn't allowed. 
Um, <laughs> and I, I believe, oh. I believe you got to be no watching the live version to have caught the fish hook demo that Aaron just did. I mean, just go to the YouTube channel because it was good. <laughs> no fish hooking, no eye gouging, and and I I believe no small digit manipulation, which means you couldn't just break fingers for the fun of it. Right. Right. Amazing. That but these what the they rules. understood is that to get to the level of public acceptance, mm -hmm. they would need the media and they would need the government's support. So he was constantly lobbying, lobbying, promoting, lobbying, educating people on why this was not what they think it is. It is not human cockfighting so that it got enough attention to get the sit downs that they needed with the regulators. And then they worked with the regulators. Like in the beginning, there was no rounds, right? So it was, it, w it went until somebody gave up there. You'd fight three, four times in a night. It was a tournament oh, style, God. right? And, and they basically worked with the governments. They got um, rounds put in, weight classes put in. Much like boxing, scoring. obviously. Yeah, proper scoring put in. Um, they basically followed the boxing model right. because that was a model that was accepted by the general public and the regulators. And over time, they they got the acceptance because of his constant education and promotion that he was doing in every outlet that he possibly could to bring awareness to his sport. Mm -hmm. They've almost made boxing irrelevant at this point. And here's the thing. This was not fast and it was not easy. I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss out on is they think, well, like, like, how, like how many, how, like how many things, how, how many places do I have to promote it? How many posts do I have to make? How many how, podcasts? How, and and how long is this going to take? How long is this going to take? It's going to take as long as it takes. And I'll tell you right now, a minimum of a year exactly. before you start to see traction. Cause I see it with our clients all the time. Yep. Right. But yep. once the, once the snowball starts building, it's almost impossible to stop its momentum. And it becomes this enormously powerful element. And I mean, there was a point, and they talk about promotion, talk about the risk they took, Andrew. I don't know if you know this, but they had done so many pay-per-views that were sort of making money, but sort of breaking even, that the Fertitas called Dana White about four years into their ownership and said, we're losing a million dollars a week on this thing right now. Wow. Yeah. And they said, you've got 30 days to figure this out. And so he actually started, the, the Fertitas started talking to buyers and there was a buyer, I think it was actually the original guy in Florida, if I remember correctly, that said, I will give you $2 million for this thing. Now, the Fertitas are losing a million dollars a week bankrolling this thing, and they got the offer, and they decided to sleep on it, and the next day, they said, we're not going to take it, figure it out, stop the hemorrhaging, and they went to Spike TV. I remember, remember Spike TV. I do. The network for men, and they said, we want to put a reality show on Spike, and Spike had the worst things on that channel, like the most egregious shows were on that channel. Even they were like, we're not putting this thing on television. We're not giving you money to produce this thing. So they actually said to Spike, what if we paid for the production for the show? Will you let us put it on your 
on your network, which is insane. You don't pay for your own production to go on a network. They pay for it. And then they sell ads and they make money, right? So they end up investing $9 million to do their own reality show, which was called The Ultimate Fighter because they wanted to expose the, the characters. Again, this promoting. They wanted people to yep. see the behind the scenes of what these They wanted put- to share story. Share story. And they wanted to do it in TV media. There's, there's the two lessons, right? So because how do we credit- get the story out there? And interestingly, why do we choose TV over the internet? We can talk about that. Right. Well, at the time, the internet really wasn't yeah, this, right. well, yeah, what year is this is a better question. Well, the crazy thing is the other day I heard that it's the 20th year anniversary of their reality show, The Ultimate Fighter. And then again, I was like, wow, I remember watching year one. I cannot believe this show has been running for 20 years. Here's here's the, the most insane thing. They couldn't even get any advertisers to pay for the commercial spots <laughs> on the reality show. So they couldn't Classic. get the TV station to to pay for the production. And they couldn't get advertisers to even run commercials, which is insane. So what they ended up doing was running their own commercials, advertising their own pay-per-view event. And at the end, through the, the, the goodness of God, or I don't know what happened, they ended up having one of the most unbelievable final, at the end of the show, two guys fight each other for the, for the contract to get into the UFC. And it was one of the greatest fights of all time. And at one point, Dana White said, Eight million people were tuned in watching the final fight because everybody was saying, you got to you got to turn this on. You got to turn this on. This is crazy. And between the combination of that and then promoting their own pay-per-view on their own commercials that they were running on this thing, it just took off. It was the, the absolute pivot point. But you have to think about like how consistent and long and how much risk. And frustrating, right? And frustrating and governments. And like New York only let MMA in five years ago. Like, I mean, the amount of things they've had to do to gather awareness to their product is astronomical. Now, what was the payoff? Was it worth it? I don't know. They sold to IMG for $6 billion four years ago, right? It's a pretty good payoff, right? But it was a promotion machine to educate people on what they were doing, to basically educate them on why they were wrong about what they thought was actually happening, to educate them on it that it was safer than boxing. I mean, think about that. People are like, there's no way that this is safer than boxing. Yeah, how'd they sell that one? They had to educate, because it's true. They had to educate them that in boxing, because people take so many headshots, their brain swells, they get brain, people die from boxing every year. The UFC has never had a single person die in the UFC. Ever, right? Which is crazy considering the odds. But because the UFC, if you get hit and and you're not coherent, the referee will stop the fight. It's over. But in boxing, you knock a guy down, he gets 10 seconds to try and get himself back together just to get up and take more abuse, sometimes two, three, four times. And that kind of brain, so it's said to educate government and public on how this was, how this, this blood sport was actually medically safer than boxing. Like this is all part of promotion, why your product is better, why it's safer, why it should be tried out, why it's more exciting, why, 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 Proof, 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 right? They just have to keep proving their case. Proving their case. And eventually they, they cross the chasm 
you know, they they got to the point where everybody was watching it. And now they're still one of the fastest growing sports on the planet. Yeah, international it's big. It's big. Training centers in every training country. Training centers, absolutely. You know, the, the wealthiest athlete in the world last year was Conor McGregor. It wasn't Ronaldo. It wasn't Messi. It wasn't LeBron James. It wasn't any of those people. It was Conor McGregor, right? UFC athlete. Like this, they have pushed this thing to the point where it is a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar monster. Now, granted, yeah, they started it 25 years ago. But was it worth it? So a couple takeaways. The big thing for them was TV, right? That was the, that was the tipping point. My example that I'm going to talk about is, is going to be internet, so it's a good balance today. But sure. TV has stood the test of time, by the way. A lot of people immediately eliminate TV as an option nowadays, which is crazy, right? You look at all the different channels. We know people that have gotten movies or documentaries in Netflix today. It can be done yeah. or Amazon Prime. Absolutely. It can be done. Easily. Easily. Yeah. It's like, like today, if you want to publish and be omnipresent and be a master promoter, promoter, do you know that today more than ever, so here we are at the end of 2021, today more than ever, you can have a book published on Amazon in physical form in a matter of weeks, and you yep. can have a documentary on the major Netflix, Amazon Prime, Networks, Hulu, whatever, also, mm-hmm. maybe not in two weeks, but you can do it. And so that I'm means really that, that means the barriers have come down to publishing and production more so today than ever. And a lot of people don't connect that. They go, oh, I could never be an author. I could never have a documentary. But you can. And we're not saying to go do this, right? I will say on the show, everybody should have a book. To me, that's a no-brainer. Having a, a documentary or an actual production is, is, is obviously a lot more moving parts and, and a huger investment and, and a lot different. But super super simple to do. There's just a process to do. There's a production. But having a book is a no-brainer. Having a show like this isn't that difficult. Like but producing a documentary is obviously more moving parts. But all more doable today than ever. So as a business owner who wants to promote and be seen in multiple different places, there are really no big barriers today like there were even five or ten years ago. Which and should really, give really great optimism to the, to the business owner or entrepreneur that wants to be an icon. And that's what today's about before you be the last thing I'll say is how to promote like a pro is really how do you become an icon, so to speak, in the industry that you're in? You don't have to be an icon like The Rock worldwide and a movie star. We're not talking about that kind of an icon. You only need to be focused on being an icon in your space. Correct. That's your game if you're watching the show. Go ahead. And the icon just comes from eyeballs. But like I was saying, you brought up a really, really good point when you were talking about the documentary on Netflix. What is really important for you to understand is that now I'm talking about digital channels, but this does, this does relate to all other channels too. The Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Netflix, the Hulus, the YouTubes, the, uh, they need inventory so badly right Mm -hmm. now. And in your mind, you're, you're, you might be going, well, what does that mean? Inventory? What, what, What does inventory mean to Facebook, for example, right? There are so many people trying to advertise on Facebook right now. They don't have any slots left for advertising. You know, the newsfeed is where everybody advertised in the beginning. There's no newsfeed spots left. Like, and that's why the prices are going crazy. There's no spots left in the, in the sidebar. There, they need more entertainment assets to loop ads through to continue to grow. If you have an idea, a show, 
a documentary, uh, uh, anything, it is it has never been a better time to get in contact with these different outlets and pitch them on your thing because they're the one that's in trouble, not you. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough inventory. Why do you think Facebook keeps buying things like WhatsApp and you know companies like this? It's not because they want a messaging platform. They need more places to put ads. Right. And your show is a place to put ads. Joe Rogan started his podcast for shits and giggles because he liked to talk about conspiracy theories and aliens and stuff like that. And he last year he got a hundred million dollar exclusive deal to be on Spotify. Why would Spotify give Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars to be exclusive on there? Because they need the inventory to run ads. And he has the eyeballs, biggest biggest podcast in the world. Right. We we're on show fifty today. We're like we got to have a show. We got to have something. He's on like show four thousand fifty or something. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. But, But honestly, I don't know about you, Andrew. But when you when I saw that today, I was like. Really? 50? Like, it's gone by. Like, it was nothing. Yeah, agreed. To be honest, that means we've been doing this every week for over a year. Pretty much. Does it feel like a year to you? It feels like about a year. Doesn't to me. It. I, I'm just saying this because, you know, in your mind you go, oh, it's a big commitment. It's a bit, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you find, it really you find, you find reasons why not, right? Yeah, it's been easy and fun. Yeah, it is. And when you get into a routine, everything becomes routine and habit. So like anything, whether you're sending out an e-newsletter every week, whether you're doing a show like we do every week, whether you're doing a traditional podcast every week, whether you are running a live event once a month like I used to do for eight years straight, never missed a month, six, seven years in a row, every month, 12 times a year, the show was on. That becomes habit. And it beco- and as it becomes habit, it becomes more comfortable to do. It's like anything Absolutely. in life, working out, Right, spending time with the family. Once the habit gets built, the routine gets built, it becomes easier and easier and easier to do. So as a business owner and as an entrepreneur that absolutely needs to promote next level, you got to get into certain forms of media that require you to be consistent because it's consistency over time that gets you noticed. The big lesson here though, is you got to be willing to get in there and throw some stones also. That is the big, 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 big thing I want to talk about here as we segue is these icons that we're talking about were controversial and they had a product that usually was against mainstream. Here's the deal. I've learned this years ago. Whatever you see the masses doing, 99.9% of the time, you probably want to go do the opposite. That's just how, how you'll live a better life. I'm not saying that's the case all the time, but 99 plus percent of the time, whatever the masses are doing, you probably want to do the opposite, right? You got to find something different and unique to do as a business owner to get noticed. Most people will say, okay, well, you know, back in the day, everybody was running a newspaper ad, so I'll go run a newspaper ad. But then the contrarians would go run radio ads. And then when everybody was in radio, they might go TV. And then when everybody was in TV, they might have went to the internet. And they, they, they keep finding ways to show up differently in different forms of media. That's what the step-ahead entrepreneurs do, is they find ways to show up differently in different forms of media that, frankly, there isn't a lot of people in because there's a lot of competition if there is, right? To crack the Facebook game today, Aaron... We can crack that code because we've been doing it for like a decade. But the average person coming in to do Facebook ads today, I mean, that's like the 800-pound gorilla that's most likely going to chew them up and spit them out, right? It's, it's, it's brutal. It's it, brutal. It, it, I, I want to make sure that people understand, like, I believe you should be in as many mediums as you can. Yes, portfolio approach. So even if it's hard, you should do it anyway. But the... 
it's not about the channel. It's about the decision to be the main promoter of your thing Mm -hmm. and to be consistent about your thing. Because once you start making the content, once you start actually being, you know, the promoter of your thing at the the right level, right? (laughs) Yeah. You can syndicate that content across everything. True. You make one. I mean, how many places does this get syndicated? Oof, at least a dozen places. Online, you know, obviously all the podcast platforms and all the video platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, Apple, Google. It's a combination of audio video, right? Goes out and goes out in Facebook groups, gets emailed out to subscribers, yep. get, you know, blog our posts, socials. websites, mass attack, shock and awe, baby. Right. So we do one show for an hour where basically you and I come on here, have fun, teach some stuff, make fun of some people, do whatever. Talk smack. <laughs> Talk smack, you know, and this gets replicated, syndicated is what the term is. Mm-hmm. But it really what it means is replicated across all these other channels. And here's the other thing. Other sites, websites pick up our content all the time and they and they actually promote, hey, here are the top 10 podcasts this week. Yep. So there's other websites that we're, we don't even know about that they need content, right? Again, they need inventory. So they'll grab our stuff and put up our stuff up on their sites just, exactly. to, just to have inventory to get eyeballs. It, and I, I think it's crazy today as, a, as if you, if, if in your business, I say, I, I say, if I want to take it back. You must be a master promoter today to be able to build and scale a business and you need to be willing to get out in front. And I think if you're that person that is out in front in your business, and sometimes you are or you aren't, right? Sometimes someone else is the out front. Somebody, somebody, somebody in there has to Somebody needs to be because we've talked so much about humanizing and adding personality to the brand. And when that happens, think Steve Jobs, think Richard Branson. What, what, you know, what would make... What would make... A, think about a, like something as, as simple as a computer, Apple, or something as simple as... You know, originally it was music, but then airplanes and everything with Branson. But those guys decided to be personality-driven CEOs. Um, Eisner at Disney is one that comes to mind as well. Elon Musk. Elon Musk is another great example. So just those four examples alone, those CEOs didn't have to go be big promoters. But the ones that did, when they put the face with the company, they were infinitely more successful. So you don't have to do this. But somebody needs to be out in front, I believe. And here's the funny thing. Every one of them was authentic. They did not try to change their personality. Nope, they were and because rough and they raw. were authentic, some of their stuff is ridiculously entertaining. Like Elon Musk is one of my favorite examples. I can't remember what car company it was. I think it was like Ford. It was maybe Ford. Did he just abuse out, someone? They put out on their, on their social media, um, our plan is to be the biggest electric car manufacturer by – 2025 and we're going to dominate this, 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 this. And Elon went and go, go Google this. He went and he replied to their social and oh all God, he replied hilarious. was bring it pussy. That's what he <laughs> that was his comment on their social. Oh my God. Yeah. He's rough and now, raw, right? Now most people be like, that's, that's unacceptable for the CEO of a publicly traded company. That's not, but I'm talking about it on this show because it was authentic and hilarious. And I love it. It obviously got a ton of attention and he knows. Oh my God. Yes. And he knows it. 
And he knows it. And he knows Even it. going on Joe Rogan. And no question it was by design. Did he go on the Joe Rogan on show? Joe Rogan smoking a fat with Joe Rogan. Elon Musk, he had Elon Musk on. So Joe Rogan can oh. get anybody now. If he, I mean, that's... Dude, if, go back and watch the interview with him and Elon Musk talking about brain technology inserts and all this stuff. Smoking a joint on his really? podcast. Yeah. And, and he took... On one side, he took some major flack from investors in the corporate world because yeah, he's they felt like a now. CEO shouldn't be smoking a joint, even though it was legal where he was and blah, blah, blah. They were like, that's not acceptable. He's like, I don't care. I'm Elon Musk. And on the other side, he gained a gazillion followers and fans of his product because he was just being – and now he had never had – according to him, he'd never smoked a joint. Joe was like, you want to smoke one? He's like, yeah, OK. Right? Like – I did not know that. That is a priceless story. Go watch it. It's hilarious, right? And because he's always been willing to just be himself and talk about the things that are important to him and talk about what he thinks is trash in the world, you know? Yep, yep. He, like, there's been so many shareholders that have said, we should remove Elon Musk. The company would be worth so much more. They're insane. It happened. Hey, it happened to Steve Jobs. It happened to Steve Jobs. It happened to Steve Jobs. But then you know what happened next. Yeah, they realized how big of a mistake it was, and he was back in a couple of years. And if he didn't come back in that couple of years, the apple Dead. that we see today wouldn't be the apple that we see today, worth billions in cash. I mean, it'd be like when you have billions in cash. When you're the enigmatic, controversial, opinionated, followed promoter of your company, you build more than business. You build a culture around what you're doing. Where much like Simon Sinek said, you're 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 not trying to sell to everybody. You're, you're trying to sell to people who believe what you believe. Right. When you get your messaging right and you're speaking to people who believe what you believe consistently over time, they're not just customers; they're fans, right? They're their own mini cult or culture, right? Yes. And they'll buy from you forever, and they will turn off a lot as well. So in that model right there, you're going to need to be okay with a lot of people not liking you and pissing a bunch of people off along the way. I've never seen any of these big promoters do it where everybody likes them along the way. Like no, there's people that just you. despise Elon Musk. There's people that despise Jobs. Despise there were people that, Dana White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and the guy him. I'm going to talk about in a minute is like the most hated guy in fitness right now, but yet he's probably <laughs> one of the most successful, but that's the formula. Now, you can't force that formula, by the way. Some people will think, well, all right, I got to go out and break things. I need to go be controversial. I need to go like, no, you're, you need to be in a, your business model needs to already be that. That's probably one of the reasons why you started it because you had a solution to a big right. problem that either you were experiencing or others were experiencing. So it's, a, it's an authentic, you, you just have to be authentic. Controver just con yeah, the controversial part, I've, it needs to be authentic to go the distance. Otherwise, you're being controversial just to be controversial. And that just runs out of steam. Is what yeah, that does. it does. It runs and, out and of the gas. reality is, is that everybody's so worried these days about offending someone. Yes. Oh my God, especially today. My God, the snowflake culture, culture we live in today is brutal. And here's the thing. You'll, you'll see when you see stuff in the world, you'll see stuff that makes you say, oh, I could never say anything controversial. I can never speak my truth. Like whatever. Oh my God, the amount of blowback I would get. Blah, blah, blah. The, the world is starving for people who are authentic right now because of all of this nonsense. Yeah, you're right. That's happening out there. When you see it, like you said in the earlier show, when you see people going one way, go the other way, right? I mean, look at some examples of people that were just off the charts as far as who they rubbed the wrong way. The Trumps, the, um, what's that guy's name who got canceled off of YouTube that talked about the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, 
like they're, they're, I, I don't love all of these people, but the people that do love them are like zealots. They're zealots. Yeah, they are. You know who's a big one right now too, which I probably could have talked about, but I won't. It's in, it's in the same space. You know, my, 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 my interest in my study hours go to fitness and, and nutrition usually, mm-hmm. but Joe Mercola, Dr. Joe Mercola, I don't know if you know who he is. I re- yeah, I know that. I have I followed Dr. This isn't my example, but I'll mention it quick because you brought up the, you know, the attacks. But I've, I have followed Dr. Joe Mercola for 25 years. And he started off as a traditional doctor, then went functional, big nutrition guy, r- great promoter, the shows, the books, the whole nine yards, everything we're talking about. But he's a guy that has consistently and authentically attacked the pharmaceutical industry since the beginning of time. He's taken the most heat right now because of COVID, and he's obviously attacking pharmaceutical companies right now for rushing this whole thing out, which I agree with. Um, but he has been consistent for 25 years. Like he, he's attacked all the big names because he felt that they were all just, I mean, again, this is an industry that has over $10 billion in lawsuits for deceptive marketing practices and adverse events. So he wasn't from, uh, he gets coined as this conspiracy theory, controversial guy, but at the end of the day, he's attacking an industry that's probably hurt mankind more than any other. He was just being well, authentic he, about the important it. He's thing like is, saying, hey, we can probably solve this problem with nutrition, supplementation, and lifestyle that you keep ramming medicine down people's throats for. That's all he's ever done. Obviously, now it's, you know, now more than ever, he's like censored from all the, he's like offline right now because of everything that's going on. I mean, God forbid. But you know what, that's though? not That's not my example, but that's an his, example. His, his people will buy whatever he sells for the rest of his life. Wherever he, wherever he goes up, he whatever just, he does. He just launched a book that's an immediate bestseller. So there you go. So back to the authorship thing. But the guy that I want to bring up today, and this is a great example, and it's a real, I consider it a grassroots example because our audience here is small to medium-sized business owners, not Fortune 500 company business owners, right? So you got to find things like the Dana White thing is a good example. And this guy by the name of Dr. John Jacquish, he's the creator of the X3 Bar, which is a training system that I've been on for about 15 months now. I think you have it as well. Just about everybody I know uses it because I've recommended it <laughs> to so many people. I wish I got paid for the amount of people I've put on the X3 bar. John, but this John, guy, John, Jack- send us something. Come on, John. I, listen, they don't even have an affiliate program. I'm so annoyed. I'm like, do you have any idea how big of an affiliate I would be? Because I have like transformed my entire body and being because of this thing. But really what I want to talk about is the business model of the X3 system. Here's what he did though. He wrote a book called, now, first of all, let me, let me preface so his training system is a titanium bar, like almost like a little mini Olympic bar that you'd see in the gym. Attached, I'm going to go get it. Yeah, why don't you grab yours because I'm in my office and yours is nearby. So if you're watching the show live, we'll actually show you what it looks like. This is a great plug for the show, for the, for the system, but really it should be because it's probably one of the best training regimens I've ever seen. That's the platform that you stand on. And the reason that platform is there because heavy duty, super high load, resistance bands attached to it. And this allows you to get three, four, and 500 pound loads training with bands, which was unheard of until he created the system. There's no other system that allowed you. So there's a titanium bar, which you can connect. And that's a, a medium-sized band that probably would get you about a hundred pound load. But you get the point, right? You see there's a titanium bar attached to a plate that you stand on. So you're, you're replicating like powerlifting without the weights. And he created this. Now, the reason that he was able to create this, Aaron, I don't know if you know this story. Half the stuff you just told me about Dana White, I had no idea about. So you're about to learn some stuff too, right? <laughs> um, which makes this, this interesting. So this guy created a breakthrough osteoporosis machine 
That's, that was his business as an engineer. Really fascinating story. Read all his stuff, read his books. And that's where he got his start. His mom had osteoporosis. So he was like, I got to find a solution for my mom. So he created an osteoporosis strength training machine called like OsteoPro or something. Became the biggest device in the world. He partnered with Tony Robbins on it because I think Tony Robbins had some issues. And eventually these osteo, called OsteoStrong, I believe. These OsteoStrong machines ended up becoming franchised and they're like in 300 locations around the world, like in rehab clinics and chiropractic clinics, the OsteoStrong machine. So somebody could get- And probably with totally opposite of what every doctor was telling people to do. Of course, man, of course. So every doctor was like scratching their head. I want to prescribe medicine. They can't do any real exercise because that'll make it worse. Meanwhile, he's like flipped that whole thing over and he's created breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough case of people recovering from osteoporosis or at least being able to deal with it because he was able to, to get their strength training aligned in a way where it wouldn't put loads on the body but would build strength in the back and through the bones. And obviously, that's, that's a, it's a bone disease. And it worked phenomenally. And now it's franchised and licensed and patented all over the world. So as he was developing that, he's like, maybe I could apply some of this engineering technology and some of the science to like strength training. So he created the X3 bar system that we just talked about and you, you just showed. And mm-hmm. that system now completely attacks traditional weight training. So the, so the guy goes out and writes a book called Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. <laughs> <laughs> but so we're talking conscious. We're talking to, I mean, wait, I've been in the gym since I'm 14. How are you going to get me at 48 years old or 47 at the time? to buy into the fact that I have wasted my time for the last four decades. So I'm immediately insulted. And right? got your attention. But, I, but you got my attention, right? And I'm like, variable resistance bands, of course I've heard good things about it. I'm immediately open to it because Tom Brady shifted his training to variable resistance bands 10 years ago. And here he is at 44 looking like he's 24. So I'm, I'm, you, you have me because of Brady, but you don't have me because you insulted like my way of life weight training for a long time. This book is now a bestseller, 200 plus scientific studies on how variable resistance training can get you better loads, better results, bigger and stronger without the risk of injury, by the way, which is, which is huge. The weight training thing is with free weights flying around, that becomes a huge risk as, as, as you get older in life, as you know, right? So he was able to, just like the Dana White story, Aaron, he was able to attack an industry, prove his case, back it with science because he's already a scientist and a PhD, and he's already, he has the track record of OsteoStrong already. And literally go out there. And he has fitness trainers online. Like they call him like the meanest, most conspiracy theory, evilest guy on, in the world because he's attacking traditional fitness. Now his big claim in the book, which is interesting, he's like, the fitness industry is a colossal failure. The, the fitness industry as a whole has produced so few results for so many people that his angle is, attacking weight training, but also attacking the fact that there is no track record at all for people who weight train or do traditional fitness because they're doing cardio and boot camps and this, but nobody's body really changes. So you get into this thing and you follow it. And I've obviously been a project myself, as you know, for 15 months and got in better shape at 48 than I was at 38 and 28 at 48 years old with more muscle mass than I've ever had in the lowest body fat I've had since college from this one training system for 14 straight months consistently 
documenting everything along the way because that's how I am. You know, I'm a nerd with the science yeah, and the research. Say, and, you know, like, don't don't use know. me as an example because I'll like I'll go spend 200 hours researching it. I'll find <laughs> the good, I'll find the bad, I'll find the conspiracy theories, and of course I'll come up with like the real answer. Which, by the way, well, really important point. That. When you when you talk about something fitness related, you have to understand like he's insane. Like <laughs> he'll go do all of the he'll pre he'll go to the doctor and get all of his initial baselines done. And then he'll remove everything else he's doing. And then he'll only do that one thing so that no other variables can be tested. And then he'll go like every two months to get all of the tests done again because he does not believe in opinion, right? So when he says, I'm in the best shape ever, he's not one of those people that like, there's so many guys at 44 that are like, I'm in the best shape of my life. And you're like, no, you're not, right? (laughs) He he will actually go and get the data to, to support the argument. You, you are, you know, not, not to sound arrogant or cocky, but you're spot on. I will spend the money, invest the time. That's a big, big lesson, by the way. I'll invest the money and I'll spend the time to get the result. And most people will not do either. They want the result, but they don't, they don't want to invest the money or spend the time. So in that example, I did. But most importantly, from a business standpoint, the promotion of what went on here to come into an industry to bring variable resistance training to light, which, which again, Brady brought it to light, but not on yeah, a big but you scale. Know what? I was always like, those, those, those bands, those bands. Yes, because you're losers. thinking traditional bands. But what he did is he created a system to get the bands into, which you just showed. So mm-hmm. by the way, if you are listening to the podcast, go to salesvelocitytv.com and you can see the episode. We do everything live on video first and you'll see Aaron doing um, 52, um, 52 deadlifts. No, I'm kidding. You'll see, <laughs> you'll see Aaron holding the titanium bar and showing the, the metal plate that allows you to get two, three, four, 500 pound loads into bands, which create a dramatic effect on the body and significantly safer is the point. But from a business standpoint, think about the way he promoted this. He attacked the total industry. He attacked the full industry. The fitness industry hates him because, and the big thing is this workout is 10 or 15 minutes, four or five days a week. So like now the industry is really pissed off because you got they got to sell you an hour workout. We got to, you know, I, I can't really sell a personal training program if it's over in 40 minutes, that's like one workout for me. But I'm working out and I'm doing it. It's so hard. I do it every other day. I'm not even on an every day. So for me to be working out, and my workout's long, but the X3 workout itself is probably 15 or 20 minutes. Like the actual time under load for me is probably, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, I should say, right? So the amount of the time efficiency, the ability not to get hurt, and the fact that you can go the distance longer is absolutely huge. And the industry was completely beside themselves. They still are, by the way. This guy has more enemies, more trolls following him, him along the internet. And then on t- to top it all off, he said, you know what? I'm going to develop an, an essential amino acid product that's also going to attack every single BS amino acid product on the market. He has a product called Fortigen, which is amazing, which there's a process for how he gets the essential amino acids in the most usable, digestible form. He breaks that science down as well. Every amino acid manufacturer is completely pissed off now as well because he, atta- he attacked them um, with his but supplement. How, but how is he as a promoter? Not just the message, going which next. is controversial. But That's how where I'm is going he as a next. Promoter? And here's the key. I don't follow him. Yeah, here's the key. Get into this. You know, once I get off on these tangents, you need to keep me focused with the whole fitness thing and the nutrition thing and the science thing. So just if I go on a tangent, I got you to bring me back to back to earth here, right? Which you've, you've done a good job of. But here's, here's the problem they had at first. He didn't want to be the face of this thing. He just wanted to roll out a machine like a lot of companies do. And just, Never going to happen. And, it, and they didn't get the traction, Aaron. So then he was like, do I get an actor? But then he was like, I don't want an actor because then it looks like 
I have an actor and I don't want to have an actor because when you have an actor, it's kind of like you're not really authentic because you put this fitness guy on there who's been working out for 40 years and he's been doing X3 for two months. And it's kind of like a bait and switch. It's, he didn't feel authentic about it. He didn't feel real. Really good guy. Like I've really listened to a lot of his stuff and read everything he's done. So he's like, I guess it's going to have to be me because I've been using the system privately for two years and I've gained 40 pounds of muscle and took my body fat from 20% to 10%. And I look like an Adonis. He's a, he's from a this, specimen. He is from this one thing. So there he was as the business, and this is a great way to leave off today, right? As a business owner, most times we see, and we deal with tons all over the world, they will always be apprehensive to be out front. He was too. Eventually he got past that. He is now the face, the personality, and the actor out front for the X3 system. He's a specimen himself. So he has walked the walk, talked the talk, did the work. And he is the most authentic example of someone who had a vast background in developing Strength training products, think OsteoStrong, and then this one, put himself through it, got the result, made the mistakes, did the science, proved it, and said, I'm going to be the one out front authentically pitching this thing, and I'm going to go everywhere. Podcasts, shows, TV, internet, radio. This brand is everywhere right now. It is now the number one selling piece of fitness equipment right now. That could change. Obviously, there's new stuff that comes up, but as we're doing the show, it's at least top three, number one selling piece of fitness equipment because of the results that not only he got, but then the testimonials that pour in that are on YouTube, that are on the internet, that are on the website are unbelievable. I mean, this is like a phenomenon with the amount of testimonials you see coming in. So the thing I want to leave off with is you or somebody really good, but authentic needs to be out front. And secondly, when you nail it, like Dana White nailed it, when you nail it, like John Jacquees nailed it, the testimonials and the case studies will pour in. And when they do, that's it's over. Because when you're not the one selling and now all of a sudden your customers are the one selling, and if you go look at that brand online, you'll be like, the company doesn't even sell this product anymore. This product is specifically now sold by its customers. And by the way, that's how UFC is as well. So two really good examples of how when you hit, when you hit the what I call the, what do we call that? Um, I'm drawing a blank here. When you hit um, critical mass, in business, tipping point. You, tipping point, critical mass, blue ocean, whatever we want to call it. When you hit that, it's oftentimes because what you've done is so big, so visible, and so good. You got to be good. The product has to be amazing, right? The deliverable has to be amazing that the customers will ultimately take over and begin selling it for you, and you're gone. I mean, scalability, you're gone. You're into the millions, hundreds of millions, billions, whatever it is for you, you're gone. And that's exactly what's happened with both these examples, which is fascinating. And, and here's the, before we give you a list of some of the people you can check out where you'll see exactly what we're talking about, because we talked, we teased this a little bit at the beginning of the show. I want to say this. If your ego is concerned right now, ah, I don't know how I look on camera. I got too many pounds, you know, I'm starting to lose my hair. I get that. I, that that's just me. Um, <laughs> Uh, you should do a show. You know, I, I don't like my background. Uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. I want you to know everybody sucks in the beginning. Every one of my clients, if you look at what they did in the beginning versus where they are at their end, it's literally like a different planet. Yeah, it really is. Right? If you look at the first year of X Factor, remember that? What was the, what was the big music one? Um, was it X Factor? There was a couple. 
there was there was Ameri- there's America's Got Talent. There was X Factor. There was um, no. I'm, I'm thinking about the first one. The first big music one was Simon Cowell. Yeah, Simon Cowell. I, I, it's coming to me. I can't. I can't. Their remember. first I never production. Their first. The first year. If you go look at the first year of the shows, it's a horror show. It looks like the cheapest thing thrown together in mankind. Yep. Right. Yep. If you look at Dana White's first, like interviews and stuff like that. He's balding like every, if you know Dana White now, he's jacked and he's got a shaved bald head and he's got his stuff to get. He's got bad suits and bad hair and he doesn't he's, he's not talking very well. He doesn't, he, doesn't have his, he doesn't have it together. Like we all suck. OK, we all suck in the beginning and you get better. So don't allow your fears to stop you because the more you do it consistently over time, it's just like anything. You just get better at it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we could go back to this first show, and it's probably I, I know for a fact that the production value is crap compared to today because we're constantly tweaking, and frankly, we don't care, and you shouldn't care either because you just need to be out there. And if yeah, you, you care about every little thing, you're gonna be you're gonna be roadblocked and, and detoured every step of the way. So at some point, good enough is good enough. Perfection is an enemy. It's all I, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, but I, I also am conscious enough to know that being too much of a perfectionist will become the enemy of success. You have yep. to be cognizant of all this. You have to be greatly aware of all this. Awareness is key, right? Um, but you'll find ways to roadblock yourself. You'll find ways not to do things. Um, I'm a big believer in getting out there and just making mistakes. I mean, if you and I, you and I are perfect examples because we've been on stage and on the internet for like 15 years straight. And we are the same guys on video. We're the same guys on the phone. We're the same guys at dinner. We're the same guys on stage. We're the same guys everywhere we go. Like nothing changes with you and I. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because we just went out and we, we just, we're just ourselves. And if you can just yep. go out and be yourself and not think you have to be someone else or, or all of a sudden become an actor or an actress, then you're free. You're liberated. You can go be you and you can promote your business or promote your business with someone else. Or you, you just, you're free. It's a, it's a liberating feeling when you don't think you need to be who you're not. Agreed. So let's give people some great examples to go check out yep. and then let's wrap up the show for today. I mean, today. for sure, check out our two examples, right? Dana well, White, yeah, UFC. Go check out Dana White and check out John Jaquish. Um, some other ones that come to my mind, uh, Gary V, which stands for Gary Vanerchuk, um, Richard Branson, Elon Musk. Uh, the Rock is a funny one to watch because he was an actor, but he's really transitioned over the last year into building and promoting his own brands, his Terramana tequila, his clothing line, his whatever. You can start to see how he weaves that in. Uh, Grant Cardone, Dave Ramsey, Damon John from Shark Tank, Simon Sinek, Peng Jun, Neil Patel. Those are just a few that come off the top of my mind. I don't know if you've got any extra ones you want to add. Andrew. Yeah, I mean, just a couple come to mind for me. For you know, for, for me, I stay in sort of a smaller box than I probably should in the fitness and nutrition world. But Tom Brady's a big one for me because he's the only athlete I've ever seen that went out and built a massive nutrition and fitness brand while he's still playing called TB12. And we did a whole episode on it. I've never seen that happen. I've always seen that stuff happen after someone retires, not while they're playing. So that was interesting. And the way that they position that is really important because... When you got a guy who's still playing well at 44, there's a method to the madness and the TB12 method is the method. And the way that's being promoted, it's tough to not buy into that. X3, obviously, I talked about today is a good example. Um, Dave Asprey 